What's up, everybody? You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, a sports blog New York podcast with your host, Peter Kennedy. And uh, for now, just one of the NBA Outsiders, my man, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, dude? What up, what up? Petey Peppas. Petey Peppas in the house. John Lucas Duffy in the house. We might have a surprise visit from our man, Frank Villani, in a little bit. Uh, the third NBA outsider, always shout out Bab, the fourth NBA outsider, who will not be joining us because he doesn't have Wi-Fi or cell phone service out in Yellowstone National Park, which is where he's resided for the past year. Shout out Bab, he, always. He, he's actually in Montana. He's coming home soon. Oh, I yeah, talked he, to him last night. Yeah, he, He's uh, going to be home for like a week or two, correct? Yeah. You think he'll yeah. hit a Sixers game up while he's home? He's gotta. He's gotta. They got see. He's got season tickets. We gotta get him a. Uh, well, I guess get him to rejoin at least a segment on the Outsiders. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I know he's like living in the middle of the woods, but he doesn't have any service. Like, we don't hear from him ever. It's pretty. It's pretty ever. crazy. It's. I don't know how he did it, man. <laughs> For two people and you and I who live uh, right on the outside of the greatest city in the world of New York City, uh, and often are in the city. I work there every day. You're there a lot it's just a crazy concept to think about no service like no service no wi-fi like he legit lives off the grid like it's it's legit he's a, he looks like a mountain man right now crazy beard his hair goes down to his chin apparently it's not i, I can't imagine it's pretty <laughs> well shout out bab uh shout out frank who might actually be joining us in a little bit uh but also shout out the nba and the season starts tomorrow so today duffy and i are recording this on sunday night but you're listening to this on monday and maybe tuesday which is why i said the season starts tomorrow but let me be more specific the season starts on tuesday we have a fantastic game kicking off the season i mean could you ask for a better matchup than sixers celtics first of the season no you couldn't you you you, you just couldn't you could ask you for literally maybe, could not maybe warriors lakers but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. We got the next best thing in Sixers-Celtics. But thankfully, Duff, myself, and Frank talked about the Eastern Conference last week. So if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and check it out. On the Sports Blog New York podcast feed, you can check out the Eastern Conference preview and over-unders. But today, Duff and I are here to talk Western Conference over-unders. Um, also, before we get started, before I kick it to you, Duff, let me just remind everybody here that the Sports Blog Nerd Podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, but you know that already. If you're listening to me say these words, I'm assuming you found it. What you may not know is that you can support this program in a really cool and easy way by just going onto the iTunes, Apple Podcast app, dropping in some stars, and telling us what you think about the show, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, whatever you want. Tell us what you ate for breakfast. I don't really care. I just appreciate the interaction and appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. So thanks for coming in. Also, last but not least... Team Left Jab, uh, you may not heard of them. Maybe you have. Maybe you're listening to us on their feed right now. But they are a new partner in the sports blog, New York Endeavor. They were looking for some new uh, New York sports-related content to add to their network. And boom, here we are. Sports Blog New York podcast, talking a lot of NBA, NFL, obviously baseball, all the New York sports uh, you can imagine here. We're also on the Team Left Jab feed, so you can find them on leftjaballnightboxing.com. And shout out to Team Left Jab for supporting our show and putting them on, putting us on their network. Pretty, pretty neat stuff. Uh, but without further ado, let's get to the 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 bread and butter here, the meat and potatoes, uh, the the season that I'm very excited for, which snuck up on us, stuff. It's really snuck up on us. A lot of drama in the uh, Western Conference. A lot of people assume it's the better conference. We'll talk more about it. Um, 
But let's get this thing started. Am I right? You are 100% right. I'm pumped for it, even though the first team on our list is the Sacramento Kings. Sheesh. Tough one to start off on, but you got to start somewhere. We chose the bottom. Projected to win 25 and a half games. That's their win total over under. So right off the bat here, you got the Kings. How are you feeling, Petey? Well, I'm glad you mentioned their over under 25 and a half. Obviously, we're talking over unders through this Western Conference as a, a de facto preview, as well as making these picks here. But we talked on the on the episode last week about the Hawks and their 23 and a half over under in which I picked over, and I said, I don't think they're going to have the worst record in the league because the Kings are so trash. And you know what, Duff? I'm going to stick with that sentiment, and I'm going to go under here on the Sacramento Kings. The part that's a shame is that the Kings don't have their pick. That's a shame. It's a real shame. They should it's a win. damn shame. They should win at all costs because they don't have their pick. They don't need to lose. The Hawks need to lose so they can get the pick. And what's more of a shame, Duff, and this hurts my feelings, though, uh, if it's a if the Kings end up with the number one pick, it goes to the Sixers, and if it goes like two through ten or something like that, it goes to the Celtics, and that's just not fair. The Celtics don't, lose lose the, for the city in New York for real. The Celtics don't deserve any more picks. Unfortunately, the Kings stink so much. Their their roster of people who I like, like Darren Fox and you know Bogdan Bogdanovich and Marvin. Be- I don't really like Marvin Bagley to be honest. Harry Giles, like they're guys I like, but they're bad. They're really bad, and they're not going to win whether they try to or not. It's an under here. What, what say you? I agree. For everything you said about the Hawks and how we expect them not to have the worst record in the league because, hey, the Sacramento Kings still exist. Shocker. News to anyone who hasn't watched a game in five years like myself, but they are still out there kicking, allegedly. Um, but I, this is the type of team, if you want to flick it on early in the season, just to get a feel for it and just – to reassure, that's what I'm going to do in the first couple of weeks. I'll end up watching the game just to be like, okay, let me make sure I don't need to watch them. And then I'm proven correct, usually. And the only thing you're going to watch for is De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's currently hurt, but he'll be back, I think, after a month or so. And uh, obviously Mar- Marvin Bagley III, who they took this year in the draft. Um, but that's about it. I mean, unless you're from New York and you're a big Amon Shumpert head and you uh, just want to keep watching Shump, which I guess all power to you, but couldn't be me. Uh, if you're an Amon Shumpert head, you're more likely to be tuning into like his rap, I believe, than watching the Kings for him. Like, I, I, You know what's so bad about the Kings is that I don't even know what type of minutes Iman Shumpert is going to get. Like, they're, I don't know. They're so bad. And he's kind of so irrelevant. Like, he may end up being, like, a featured player for them when Bogdan Bogdanovich is out. Because, like, low-key Bogdan Bogdanovich is actually good. He's the type of guy who you might actually want to peek at if you're a big NBA head like you and I. Um, But I don't have a lot of faith in Marvin Bagley. I think he's going to be an empty stats guy. I think he has a slight chance at Rookie of the Year. So if you're into that, like, check him out, sure. The only thing I think is a big positive for them I think Bogdan Bogdanovich doesn't take a huge step. I think he's similarly solid to who he was last year. I think De'Aaron Fox has a good year. It's not going to lead to wins. They're going to stink. But De'Aaron Fox is going to do some cool things on the court this year. Much better than last year. I hope so. He's definitely a good dude. And uh, I see what you're saying about Bagley. He could end up being sort of like the West Coast Kevin Love when he was on the Timberwolves. Good stats, bad team sort of dude. But 
I guess time will tell. That's yeah, like, that's enough. Like, that's well, enough Kings talk. That's fact. for but the wait, week. Before we move Maybe to the, the next year. one, though, it's it's so true. I just want to do one more thing on Bagley because I think it is interesting enough. Um, I mean, it goes to show in our fantasy league that you and I just did a draft for people who are average to big NBA fans. Like they they know Bagley, they think about Bagley, and he was drafted in our league, and he's probably a semi irrelevant fantasy player in basketball. Not the fantasy is a big deal, but does he fit in this league? Like, where does he fit? His three-point shot is a little bit quirky. Uh, he has the hops. He's working on it. Like, he, he like what has, is Marvin Bagley in 2018? Like, what is he? His percentage wasn't great at Duke, but he was taking the shots. So yeah. if he can space the floor, put on some weight, I don't see why he couldn't be, like, a very good offensive stretch four. So... Maybe be like a twenty and ten guy consistently, but be kind of empty stats. He's not going to play any good defense until he puts on about twenty, thirty pounds. Yeah, he reminds me of like early Chris Bosh, but that was when the league was catering to people like Chris Bosh, and then obviously he adjusted to the league. He was like an early trendsetter with the stretch four, stretch five thing. So mm-hmm. maybe Bagley figures it out. But anyways, like you said, let's move it on. That's way too much Kings talk for anybody. Who even even cares about the NBA? If you if you like that, you really like NBA basketball. And if you get the reference, you really really like NBA basketball because that's what the Kings announcer says all the time. Oh my God, that's a great call though. When something happens good in the Kings game, you'll get a good call out of it. Um, but anyways, moving on to the Phoenix Suns, twenty eight and a half. Uh, I'm just gonna let you take the floor here. Your Suns, the Suns. You've been supporting this squad since the Devin Booker draft, uh, maybe maybe before that. So Duff, twenty eight and a half. Give a little breakdown to the Suns, what you expect this year, what you hope for, and then make your pick. Well, they just fired their GM, Ryan McDonough, which I won't say was a shock because you hear people talk about it around the league. Apparently, this is kind of a long time coming. He missed on a bunch of picks, whether it was Alex Len, Dragon Bender. It seems that it's going that way, um, but I still think he's only maybe 21. And uh, Marquise Chris, who they ended up just trading to the Rockets for Ryan Anderson, which is also not great. Um, but they do have Devin Booker, and they have DeAndre Ayton. They have Trevor Reza. They have Josh Jackson. Jackson. They have pieces. They have pe- So they're not completely in no man's land. They're not starting from absolute zero. But they need another piece. They need one more piece, and they need to just tank it out for one more year and just, just let just, – I know Devin Booker last season was like, I need playoffs. Like, I want – something more out of this um he he just got an extension but i think he's still only 22 i think yeah he's do you, have, he, do you have any idea he turned 21 during the season last year so 22 oh, so 21 i think wow. he turns so, 22 in october if i'm not mistaken okay so he's turned shout 22. out shout out october babies by the way sure why not um <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna take i'm gonna take the under with this team there are just too many good teams in the West. Like, if you're going to tell me they're going to get close to 30 wins and they had 21 last season, they were the worst team in the NBA. If you're going to tell me DeAndre Ayton, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson are worth eight to nine wins, I, I don't, I don't really see that, especially since they're all playing together for the first time. But I will shout out Mikael Bridges. That's one guy no one's really talking about on this team. Nova guy. Perfect prototype 3 and D dude. He shot a really high percentage at Nova, could guard anyone on the court. He is just, he is long as hell. It's unbelievable. I'm always going to enjoy watching the Suns because 
I think it's just Stockholm syndrome at this point, and I have a serious problem. <laughs> but I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm rooting for uh, James Jones because shout out James Jones, like yeah, talk about a guy who some Big lucky facts. breaks. Like he went to seven straight finals, and now he's like the de facto general manager of an NBA team. One year after retirement. That's not bad. <laughs> that's pretty damn solid. That's Anything like, is possible. Kevin Garnett told us. Actually, it could be more impressive than the Elton Brand uh, finesse into the Sixers front office, honestly. Um, the one thing about Mikel Bridges, because I think he's interesting enough and people who follow college basketball and just sports in general know him. Uh, for me, he's just like a stereotypical good player on a good team. I don't know what he does for a bad team. Like I don't know what he looks like for a team that doesn't have the juice and doesn't have a system that really means something. So I'm really intrigued to see how he fits in the NBA in general. I think he has like a place where he's carved out where he's going to fill needs. But what does it mean on a bad team is my real question. Like I thought that's why it's made so much sense for him to be on the Sixers. Obviously the Villanova PA area thing made sense, but his three and D seems to be perfect. You know, well, it wasn't only passer. that. It wasn't just geography and proximity. His mom is the head of HR for the Sixers. Exactly. Like that's what it's. Or, so for, or it's for the parent company that owns the Sixers. But either way, that's still. And not only did he's he not on the Sixers, but they drafted him and traded him. And Duff, am I am I crazy for for thinking this uh, point here? Where I thought um, people in the media kind of like defended the Sixers for it, and they were like, "Oh, that just shows that Brett Brown is taking the GM." Uh, you know, interim GM job seriously. He's not taking the uh, hometown player with the the sentimental impacts into into consideration here. I'm like, what? Why are you giving this guy credit for this? Like Zaire Smith, I like him. A lot of people like him, but I feel like that's doing too much. Like Mikel Bridges is in your back pocket, and he's like a, such a low risk pick and possibly giving off high reward. Did you feel that, that people were, like, defending Brett Brown? Like, oh, he made the hard decision there. It was not easy, but it's the right call. I, I don't know why people jumped to that conclusion. Well, it was because they got that uh, 2021 pick from the Heat along in that very trade. True, but very did, true, But that would be very on brand for, like, the trust the process uh, Sam Hankey Sixers, where it's like, okay, we're essentially turning this player who's a little better right now, but, you know, in 10 years, who has any idea? We trade them, and it's just like a marginal difference, and we get another shot at the lottery on top of it, or you know, like we get another ticket basically by taking a pick. So I think that's more what people were defending, but I kind of agree with you that it's this is a situation where, like, classic bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like, just take the guy that you know is going to be a really solid NBA player who's the perfect age to just go along, and he will fit really well with. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. However, they already have Dario Saric and Robert Covington who play the same position basically. So felt like maybe a log jam at small yeah, forward. That's true. But they traded for a small forward. So Yeah. Wilson Chandler. I mean, also, uh like shout out Zaire Smith. I like him, but he's he's also fit in the Sixers mold. So we thought Mikel Bridges was destined to be a, a Sixer. But um what's his name? Zaire Smith is actually fit in the mold by getting hurt off the bat before he played a game. <laughs> as, as is tradition. <laughs> uh do we have somebody else out here in the crowd of the NBA Outsiders podcast willing to talk, willing to open up his mouth for some takes here? What's up? What's up, fellas? Hey, there he is. What's up, Frank? Yo, Frank Bonnie joining the podcast. On, what's up, brother? Apologize for being a little bit late, but how are you doing? We're doing damn well. We you only missed two teams, so if you want, 
join the pod, say hello to the, the, the kind listeners, and uh, give us your, your quick rundown, your quick take. Make it, sp- make it spicy, make it short on the Kings and Suns, and you'll be right up to date with us. All right, well, well, give me give me the uh, the numbers for the Suns real quick and the Kings. And Suns. The Kings were twenty five and a half, and the Suns were twenty eight and a half. Pete and I both took the under on those two teams. You get thirty seconds to make your picks on these trash teams. Also, yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go real quick. I'm gonna go real quick. Uh, I'm gonna go under on the Kings. They're trash. And uh, <laughs> that video on Instagram of them like dancing and trying to hype up the crowd was like the least hype I've ever been. Watching something like that, so all out on them, and uh, I'll go over on the Suns. Your Suns, I don't know why, um, but I will. I thought Devin Booker was going to be more hurt than he was, uh, and I think he's really good. So, cool. Frank, I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Yeah, and it wasn't man. even remotely about me. But yeah. thank you. Yeah, all for you, brother. <laughs> Frank, nice. We're gonna keep it short and sweet, by the way. And uh, you're right in line with Duffy and I's take on this Kings, like. Yeah, there's some guys we want to look at, but they're trash. <laughs> yeah, man. That's fine. That doesn't mean they're unwatchable for the most part. I mean, part. I, feel like, my, my, I feel like my biggest take on that is, like, I, I really don't like who, – who did they get from, from Duke? Bagley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I personally don't uh, – I'm not a big fan of his. I don't think – I don't know. You know, personal opinion, I don't think he's going to translate that well. But, you know, who knows? Good call. No. Also, uh, Duff, I don't think you and I made our picks on the Suns. We just talked about it. So, what do you, what do you, what do you like oh, over under wise? No, I think I said I'd take the under. Oh. I think, yeah, I, they had twenty one wins last year, and uh, you know they they added some new pieces that are really good. But again, it's the first time they're playing together. They're in a tough conference, and I don't think it's going to translate to eight or nine more wins. So, I'm going to take the under. I uh, I hear you. Right now, ESPN has their point guard as Elia Kobo. Elia Kobo, if you don't know him, he's a, fr- he's a French guy. He is kind of my boy. I like him. I liked him coming into the draft. I think he has some talent. But he's not a starting point guard yet. Like, there's just no way. So the best case scenario for the Suns is that they just make Devin Booker James Harden. Just make him handle the ball all day, get his assist up, get his shots up, get his free throws up. And he can be an absolute beast, future MVP candidate if he figures out a way to kind of spread, uh, share the sugar, spread the wealth, get his teammates involved. Because you know Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, they're guys who can get buckets. They got Trevor Reese, DeAndre Ayton looked pretty good in preseason. Like they're going to be a league pass uh, exciting team. Like they're going to be a team you kind of want to watch for Devin Booker alone and the young guys. So I get it, but I just don't think they're quite good enough to hit that over, which is. Like we said before, at twenty eight and a half, so I'm going to take the under as well. But they are definitely a team to watch for sure. Just not not saying that because they're your sons, the sons, Duff. They have some interesting players. I just want Devin Booker to do the most. Like I want him to do too much. I want him to be a beast, and I want him to get DeAndre eight in the ball. Strong agree all the way around. Get him high usage rate this year. Speaking of high usage rate, young guys, we got the Mavericks up next. Dallas Mavericks, thirty four and a half games is their win total. Luka Doncic is the player I was referring to earlier. Now, this team had won 24 games. So Vegas is expecting a 10 to 11 point difference in just uh, one season for a team that added what, for my money, the best rookie in this class, I, for my, in my opinion. You know, he got taken three by the Hawks, then traded for Trey Young and a pick. So this year, I don't think the Mavericks have their own pick. I think it goes to the Hawks next season. Um, Pete, what what do you think about these uh, Mavs coming up here? 
And we're talking league pass teams. We're talking about the Suns. I'm actually going to just go ahead right now and say the Mavericks are a league pass team. Luka Doncic, I expect, to be a game changer. I I know it's tough with a rookie. I know it's tough with a guy we don't know too much about, even though we kind of do know about this guy. We know what he does. And what I was saying going into the draft uh, on this podcast and another program or two that I, I hopped on um, – People people look at this league as a point guard league. They're like, oh, the point guards really drive the league. I, I think that's a false narrative. I think wings drive this league, and specifically wings who can handle the ball. And Luka Doncic is like a 6'8", just like big dude who's 19 years old, who has vision like no other, can shoot the ball. You saw in preseason he's taken legit, legit step-back threes with confidence and swagger. And... I mean, he's finding people in the corner without looking, swing passes, great dishes to Dennis Smith and some other guys. I think he actually pulls the best out of Dennis Smith, taking the ball out of his hands a little bit, you know, not giving Smith as much chance to turn to make turnovers. And, and I, teach him I, how to play off ball a little bit. It was not a bad skill for him to learn at a young age. I'm all in on Doncic. I'm all in. I think he's a rookie of the year candidate. I think he's a future top 10 player in this league. I love him. The DeAndre Jordan signing is kind of whatever for me, but the Mavs play hard. Rick Carlisle is not a tanker. He was miserable last year with them like kind of wanting to lose. So they're going to come out firing, and they have a, a weird team of vets who, who play hard and play defense like Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes. This team is an over for me, and you know, 30, 34 and a half is kind of high for them because they're, they're just not as talented as some of these other teams that we're going to get to, but I, I just like their vibe. I like Doncic, and I think he's an instant impact guy i I couldn't agree more uh the ice the one word that comes to mind when i watch that dude play is just smooth like everything he does the way he dribbles the way he shoots he's just a smooth player very fluid he gets his teammates involved and i think that's kind of like dennis Smith jr is very good but i think that's like his least refined quality as a point guard so far he's really good at getting his own basket going to the rim uh and things like that. He's a pretty good shooter as well. But I think, you know, more so than anything, he struggles to get teammates involved. And Luka Doncic is going to take a lot of that pressure off his shoulder. Plus, uh, I don't know why they're still running the skeleton of Dirk out there. Uh, it's probably out of respect. Still tickets, homie. Uh, it's, it, you know, he'll probably drain a couple of threes. But I think they have enough around those two. And I think DeAndre Jordan actually going there now and, like, being there is kind of cool and funny after, you know, Chris Paul and the rest of the Clippers like kidnapped him. But um, after the kidnapping. Yeah, dude, the kidnapping. But uh, yeah, mostly over just to f the Hawks for like, what in my opinion is going to go down as a really, really bad trade. Like as maybe as bad as the, the the Nets Brooklyn trade. We'll see that. Whoa, that's a that's well, it, a big feat. It to can't fill. be ne- necessarily that bad because that that <laughs> scaled over years, like almost yeah. a decade. It feels like a decade at this point. It yeah, feels it like does. forever. Um, it's just one pick. It's just one year. But I agree that it's going to be a tough, tough trade. I, I, Luka Doncic is expected to be an All Star, multi All Star caliber player. Like Trey Young has the upside to be. Steph Curry-esque, but I don't think we'll ever see another Steph Curry again, someone who really came along the league at the perfect time where the thing that was most undervalued was 
three, the three-point shot was the deepest inefficiency in the NBA at that point. And then we get the greatest three-point shooter to come along and completely revolutionize the game and take everyone by surprise. So the timing and the skill of Steph Curry, it, it won't be replicated. Um, so you know what you're kind of getting with Luka. And for all these rookies, Pete, you said it before, like we have so much tape on this guy for playing two years of professional basketball in Spain playing in the Euro Cup for uh, Slovenia, winning the Euro Cup. And he's been a professional basketball player for two years already. And, he, you know, he might not have the best measurables like bench press, shuttle run, vertical, whatever. But you know what he's done over the past two years? He's played a shit ton of basketball. And he's gotten so many reps at a really high high level. So instead of playing like... 30 games in college he's been playing 60 against grown-ass men in like playoff scenarios and not only playing against them succeeding not only succeeding but being the mvp of those leagues so i am also looking to pick the over here because i think he can really turn around a team and make that big of a difference like he can change a culture rick carlisle is very excited to have this guy here i think even him and Dennis Smith can run some pick and roll together because Luka oh, yeah. Doncic is also like six eight, yeah. I believe. You get enough shooter, you can pick and pop. Uh, but, yeah, you know what? I would and he's going to be finding DJ on lobs all day, all day. Oh, you sure. know what I would love? D- I would love to see. You know how like Steph Curry and Draymond Green run that pick and roll where Steph just like hits the pick and just flips it over to Draymond and he com- becomes the ball handler. I, w- I want to see other teams do that. I don't get why more teams don't do the similar move where you know you run the high pick and roll. But you really just flip it to that role guy who can handle the ball, and he becomes an attacker who can do multiple things like that. Sort. Imagine Doncic top of the key with a head of steam where he can hit. Floaters. Well, they were doing that because they were doubling back. Steph. Well, of course, that's that's actually a great point. Honestly, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm expecting too much some of these other teams, but no. But that's that's a good up. So it's like instead of like, are right, you have to pop and shoot, roll to the basket and dunk it? It's like okay, we can curl off it and then reset, switch back. What like you have two ball handlers in such a tight space who can shoot it, drive it, kick it all at an above average rate. It's, it's an exciting thing to think about and shout out Kostas on Oh, uh, the last looking pick frisky. of the draft looking, last year, I believe looking frisky in preseason. Kostas right. and frisky. He's looking that a little frisky for sure. Um, uh, I wanted to make one more point though. Yeah, go on. I think like, like, Maybe five, six years ago, everybody had like the the Euro bias. Like every time your team drafted a guy from like the Euro league, he was going kind of always like cringe a little bit. Like that bias has to be going by the wayside at this point. I mean, there's so many guys that I can just name in the league right now. I think Dirk really legitimized it by winning the MVP and then the championship. Yeah, but but even more so than that, I feel like some guys kind of like get hyped up and have kind of like F the image up a little bit, but like I'm, I'm beyond those guys doing that because the last like batch, like the last five or six, even going like even Dario Sarge, I'll throw him in that basket. Yeah, for sure. Legitimate NBA players. Like I, I, I can't remember the last like Darko Milicic coming out of the draft, you know? Yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich and, also on those Kings we talked about. Absolutely. And Frank, yeah. you know what? You actually made a point that was like leading right into my last point before we move on. Um, people who will be critical of Doncic saying, oh, you know, we've seen guys do really well in the Euro Leagues before. Like, remember Ricky Rubio? He was sick and he came over and struggled. 
It's like, yeah, Ricky Rubio was a highlight reel in the in the Euro League, but he wasn't the MVP at age 18. Like, Ricky Rubio was awesome, and he made sick plays, and we watched his highlight tape, and we're like, holy crap, this guy's the future. But he was not the best player in the league at 18. He was just a highlight reel. Luka Doncic, and he was like six inches shorter. Yeah, Luka yeah. Doncic was legitimately the best player in the second best league in the entire world. That's how good yeah. this guy was. It's and, legit. And you, you allude to like you know, I'm not like blooming too fast. Like, I don't know. I, I think it'd be, it'd be a short list of teams. that would be like, you know what? I don't want Ricky Rubio right now. Cause he had a great year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, we're all on the over on the Memphis. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks, the Grizzlies coming up next and just quick recap because Frank joined a second late Frank, like the under on the Kings over on the Suns, over on the Mavs and me and Duff were also on the under in the Kings. So all under on the Kings, me and Duff like the under on the Suns. Frank like the over. And then all over on the Mavericks. But let's keep this thing moving. Another 34-and-a-half, the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that before last year was considered a consistent contender in the sense that they were just living in the playoffs. They have two very quality players, uh, a guy in Mike Conley who is an Eastern Conference All-Star every year if he was in the East, but just can't make an All-Star team because of the stacked guard play out of the Western Conference. He's expected to be healthy. Marcus Gasol is expected to be healthy. Um, and also, shout out to this guy coming out of nowhere, Chandler Parsons is expected to be healthy, a guy who's been a legit player when healthy, which we you know struggle to remember that time uh, uh, now. But 34 and a half, I'm going to start this off because you guys know I'm a sucker for Mike Conley. If he is healthy, and I'm banking on the fact that he is, this team is an easy over. It's talented. They're not going to roll over. They're going to want to win, even though it's probably their best interest to, interest to lose. The Jaron Jackson, Mike Conley, Chandler Parsons, Marcus All, uh, core is good enough for me for 35 wins, 36 wins. I like the over here. What say you guys? I'm actually going to go against that and take the under here. The Mathematically speaking, there just kind of has to be at least three teams in the 20s in the Western Conference for the Warriors and the Rockets to flirt with 60 wins. And then there's like four or five, maybe six, depending on certain scenarios where they have 50 wins. And then there's really got to be a sharp drop off. There's got to be at least three teams in the in the 20s here. I already got the Suns and the Kings down there and I get the Mavericks going over 35. I'm going to go under on the Grizzlies. I I don't get excited for grit and grind like you do. I don't love Mike Conley like you do. I don't I don't know that Kyle Anderson is going to be as good with the Grizzlies as he was with the Spurs, you know, playing in that system. I don't know how Mark Gasol is going to be coming back from an entire year off. There's nothing that makes me think that um, Chandler Parsons is really going to be any any like any really impactful player after I feel like he hasn't played in three years. It you know? really does feel like a long time. Yeah. I, any, what's he going to pay? Like 20 some million dollars? Too much. Up just there. Crazy. Like 18, 19 probably. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know where the wins are going to come from. Like it, it really has to be Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol. Like it really just has to be them carrying this whole load. They don't have Tony Allen. They don't have Zach Randolph who were really solid veteran players who can get them through tough times and just kind of knew how to win games because they were around for so long. I can't rely on Shelvin Mack, Marshawn Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Omari Caspi, I, like Javon Carter, guys like that. Yeah. 
Wayne Selden. I don't, you know, yeah. Jim Michael Green. It's like when I, it's not a sexy lineup. It's just not. And there's not a lot of impactful players I can point to. There are a couple, and then it's like a real sharp drop off. The one thing I'm excited to see is Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, another really fun rookie to look forward to out of this class. So I think he's going to get a lot of burn. There's going to be some growing pains. And uh, I feel like the Grizzlies, they're really in a tough spot right now. Kind of a tweener where they have a couple stars, but really no considerable help. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time because I feel like you said a lot of what I wanted to say. I will highlight a couple things, though. Uh, you mentioned like losing guys like uh, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. And Mike Conley and Marcus All are probably better basketball players than probably were even at the time. But like those guys, I feel like embodied the the grit and grind. They were the identity of the team. Yeah, like, and, and it's kind of tough when, especially when I feel like when Tony Allen left, that's when I lost my faith in the Grizzlies. So, um, yeah, I'm out. Uh, I have zero interest in this team. Who's even their coach anymore? They got Dave Yeager. It's a great. No, coach, he's huh? the Kings coach. Yeah, I feel like they fire coaches that I feel like are not bad coaches too early, and it pisses me off. JB Bickerstaff. Yeah. Yeah. JB, yeah. This guy mastermind in his way. The finesse king. <laughs> yeah, the finesse king. He's gonna get every interim coach job ever to be had in the NBA. Something's going on. Maybe there. he'll get himself fired but, uh, too. Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time. Under, F that team. I'm locking the under. F. Oh, lock. I like it, Frank. Ooh, okay, Coming in like with a lock. The last thing I'm going to say about the, the Grizzlies before we move it on, just because I think it's it's semi-interesting to note here when we're talking over-under, um, th- this is a team that, that was reluctant to trade away Tyreek Evans last year at the deadline when they were absolutely trash. He was by far their best player, having his best season of his career, and yet they wouldn't trade him for any asset, for a late first-round pick, for an early second-round pick. They wouldn't get rid of him, and they lost him for absolutely nothing. So if you're thinking about them trying to get off Conley, who is making a ton of money, get off Parsons or Gasol, who are making a ton of money, I can't imagine them finding the trade or making the trade. And that's part of the reason as well why I like the over, just because they have they have too much pride as an organization to try to win, which is probably wrong and is probably a reason why they have been stuck in the middle for a very long time. Uh, but with, without they don't have their pick this year either. Yeah, I think it goes to the Celtics. Oh God, oh. screw the Celtics, man! I don't know if that's true, Ooh. but just screw the Celtics. They have enough. No, picks. they have their own pick. They're probably oh, going to get Sacramento's pick God unless it's it. number one, and then they have the Grizzlies. So sick of the um, Celtics getting picks. Get Ooh. oh Danny Ainge, get there's out of my face. Another one. They might. Have, they have their own, and then they there's like another one in the mix there. I can't remember. They they had the opportunity to have like four first round. Picks. This is this is the West over under. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying like I if I wasn't such an appreciator of good basketball I would just hate the Celtics to a freaking core because they're so frustrating they're so good and they're so stacked and they might have freaking Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett on their team by next year and that just pisses me off all right let's move this thing along the Los Angeles Clippers 36 and a half uh an interesting group of members on their team I mean, you're talking Pat Beverly, Avery Bradley, the if healthy could be great Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris, Marcin Gortat, Montrez Harrell. I mean, these are guys who are legitimate NBA players. Luke Mbamute, Lou Williams. Boban. 
and I'm, I didn't even mention Boban or their two rookies, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who people love, and Jerome Robinson, who are both lottery picks. I mean, this is a, an interesting team here, but they're also one of the hardest teams to break down, as tanking will probably be in their interest, but they're also in play for free agents next year. So who the hell knows? Frank, you haven't started this off yet, so just give us your, your take on the Clippers here. Uh, I mean, this is a team that was just decimated by injury last year, just I believe did they lose Patrick Beverly in the first game. First week, I don't know about first, first game, but uh, he went him, down. Gallinari. Gallin, I mean Gallinari's always hurt. Tay Dosich. Yeah, I mean basically the whole team got hurt for a certain part of the season. But I'm gonna call the over. Uh, you never, you know, I'm gonna assume health. I like Avery Bradley. He's a good piece. Lou Williams really stepped up last year and had like some surprising games, and I think that will continue. I mean. He's like uh, Jamal Crawford reincarnated. You can get a bucket at any moment. Um, and Boban, man, people sleep on Boban, but I think Boban actually is going to play like some minutes this year and could actually be like a problem. He's so big. How could he not be, you know? Who was it that just came out and said, you know, Boban Mar- is such a tough – Marcin Gortat, the starting center fan. <laughs> oh, was it Marcin Gortat? I thought it was uh, Rudy Gobert for some yeah, he's just like <laughs> Gortat trying to give away his starting job. <laughs> yeah, I guess, man. I think Boban is sort of like the what we'd equate to as like a heat check guy. Off, like you think of guards, you think of like Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith when he was on the Knicks. It's kind of like uh, heat check guys coming off the bench and just chucking shots up, and then some nights they go in and they catch fire and they go for like twenty, thirty, whatever. Boban's kind of the same way. I feel like Gortat was right in 20 minutes. He'll get you like, you know, 13 and 13. It's like, what the hell just happened? This guy yeah, just dominated the game cold, for a significant the stretch. I read was that in eight minutes of practice, he scored 20 points and had 12 rebounds. Just insane. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got show, touch. He said, show me, he said, show me the film of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar getting a double-double in eight <laughs> <laughs> That is reckless. That's reckless that language right reckless, there. But like, <laughs> like I, I definitely don't think you know Boban's you know as good as Kareem, but like Hot he's got a point. <laughs> you know, like this guy is so big and obviously can bring something unique to the table. Like he could, if he can play, I feel like his biggest problem is he can't get out there. If he can play, I think he could be a problem. He's just he's tough in today's NBA where you gotta people are you know they're extending the court, stretch you out. He can't stand under the rim with the other big man who's posting up and really protect the paint. He's got to kind of move his feet and shuffle, and that's where he runs into some trouble because he's got great hands around the rim. He finishes well. But on the Clippers as a whole, I feel like we, we touched on this with the Grizzlies where they kind of don't really have an identity. I feel like the Clippers are the same way where we don't like, who's the alpha on this team? I, I don't know. Like, they have no alpha besides Boban, obviously, but we just talked about why he can't really carry the load. <laughs> I don't know who is the leader of this team and what style of basketball they're even looking to play. I think they have some good pieces. Like they have a lot of really good role guys, but they don't have someone like, you know, who they're expecting to get in 2019 free agency, whether it be Kawhi Leonard or, you know, Clay Thompson, whoever Jimmy, names you want to throw Butler, out there for yeah, fun. Yeah. But, I think for that reason, I'm going to go under. I think if you don't really have a clear objective in the Western Conference for what you need to do as a team, you're going to run into trouble. Because 
night after night, if you don't exactly know what the plan is, it's you you have to know yourself if you want to beat someone else. And I I, I don't have a good feeling about them, so I'm going to take the under. I know you're a big uh, Doc Rivers hater. Is any of that factoring into that? Not even. No, really, that's not even really factoring into this. I, I don't think he's necessarily a great coach at really utilizing his his assets in creative ways. Now, that mostly came from how he was using elite talent like uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan for years and years. So this, that didn't have much to do with it, honestly. I think you know the locker room might go well because you hear about Doc. He's a player's coach, and he really connects to them and yada, 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 which is good. That's something you should do as a head coach. But on the court, I feel like they're going to struggle to find identity. And that was a problem with those talented Clippers teams as well. Like everyone's like, oh, Lob City. But on the floor, they were like, all right, what what is Blake? Like what is he going to do for us? Because Chris Paul needs a ball in his hand. We can't really have point Blake. And then DeAndre Jordan's Blake? not getting up yeah. enough shots. And everyone's mad because Austin Rivers is a person that exists and is on the Clippers. <laughs> and they so him? they've had this yeah, he's on the issue Wizards for now. a while. I just think they have less talent now. So I'm going to take the under. Yeah, Austin Rivers on the Wizards now. Probably a good thing for the Clippers. You know, uh, uh, Duff, I feel very similarly to you, and I think they're going to end up just saying, like, all right, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like, you're the future point guard of this team. Like, let's get you some burn, which doesn't mean wins for them, but it makes me a little nervous. Uh, I'm going to go flip side. Doc actually makes me nervous to take the under, even though I'm going to take it. Like, I'm, it, it doesn't feel good because of what he did last year. He had this team with all the injuries, with a bunch of random players and, like, you know, guys like who were not expected to be impact players like Jawoon Evans and freaking um, who was the other guys? Oh, Sandarius Thornwell. Like those were guys who were playing legit minutes for the Clippers last year, and they almost like were in the playoff hunt. So it, that makes me nervous, but I'm still taking the under. I think if there's a year for them to just like unload people like Patrick Beverly and Avery Bradley for anything they can get. Uh, draft capital or salary dumps or whatever they can get, I think that's a possibility here where they where they trade these guys. Jerry West is here. He's a smart guy. He's going to get the assets and, and, and really ramp up for next year, which is why I like the under here. But I, I don't feel good about it because when this team's on the floor and they're healthy, they're going to compete, and they're probably going to be pretty tough to take down. So I don't like it, but I'm going under as well. All right, speaking of a team that doesn't really have much of an identity a team that has an identity that's all too odd portland trailblazers i believe next on our list correct 42 and a half games is their line now everyone knows the scoring comes from the outside with them you have damian lillard you have cj mccollum aka 3j mccollum aka if you don't post your workouts online you didn't even work out (laughs) mccollum um I'm, try- team, I'm trying, Jennifer, CJ McCollum. I'm trying, Jennifer. She, Jennifer, just calm down, please. Thank you. Um, I like this team. I don't – I think they're going to hit the over. I'm just going to state that outright unless they make – it. unless they have like a really tough two months start to open up the season and December they're like, all right, let's just unload CJ or whoever or maybe Dame, probably not, but unload CJ. And then I could see them hitting the under. I feel like the key to this line is really in the first two and a half months, you know, through the end of December. That's going to tell you all you need to know about whether this team is going to be good or whether they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline or anything like that. And 
they're actually going to be a league pass team for me because they're so fun to watch. Like that, the, I don't know what the name of that arena is, but it is electric, and I think the court is really nice aesthetically, and the jerseys are cool, and it's an exciting brand of basketball to watch. I'm, I, I could see this team getting the slight over, maybe like 43, 44, um, but still missing the playoffs. And I know there's a lot of Portland Trailblazers fans like, we were the third seed last year, show some damn respect, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what, what were there, like three games separating the three from the nine last if, year? If that. It might have been le- it might have been two games. I know yeah. three. So they, they, had, had... they had 49 wins, and then the Nuggets had four. So it was three games. So, and it was seven yeah, games between them yeah. and the 10 seed. Like that's like the middle of the, the Western conference is just so tough. It's so, so tough. And they lose Ed Davis, who was a key rebounder for them, which I don't, you know, who knows yeah. how big that is, but they're exciting. I think they missed the playoffs, but I still think they had double. I hear you. And the part of it is like, are they seven games worse than they were last year? Probably not, but the surrounding teams, you know, the Lakers and the Nuggets and maybe the Pelicans and the Jazz, they probably got better. And did the Blazers get better? Probably not. So I'm with you, Duff, on the slight over just because I don't think they're an under 500 team. I don't think they're seven games worse than they are last year. But there is a a, a true cap that we're all seeing here. And I'm, I'm mostly interested in, like, Zach Collins and how he progresses and honestly, the most interesting thing is, do they move off Dame or CJ? Do they trade one of those guys? If they do, then they're an under because there's no way you're getting the value uh, for current roster filling. Uh, if you trade one of those guys, that's obviously a future move. So if one of those guys get moved, they're an under. But out of respect, out of Dame and CJ being two of the better guards in the league, I'm going slight over two, but they are a strong, strong candidate to be one of those Western Conference teams that falls out of the playoffs from last year. Uh, so I'm going slight, slight over, 43-44. They're definitely above 500. But if Dame or CJ's gone, I would switch that to an under real quick. Um, I agree. I, I hate to just keep agreeing because I feel like I didn't get to make enough points, but this team's had the same weakness for the past, like, forever since Brandon Roy's knees weren't enough to last right, the season. Damn, cold, um, cold, they cold just have nobody there. to play that small forward position for them. Um, I mean, they're running out Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, who's trying to play some some basketball and them double Ds. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you see the Instagram post and his comment. Um, that was reckless. Yeah, man, he's just out here, you know, shoot or shoot. But um, I'm gonna take the over because that's what my brain is saying. Uh, my heart is telling me to take the under just to argue with you guys, but I really can't. I'm a big game guy. I know. I've been. I said last year he was going to be an All Star, and he was. And I think he made one of the All NBA teams. You can correct me if I'm yeah, he did wrong. So um, yeah, I expect Dame to keep doing big things. He always plays with a chip on his shoulder. His thing was, how am I not an All Star? Well, he was an All Star last year, so let's see if he can come out with that same chip and intensity. I think he does. So we're all on the over with the Portland Trailblazers, and I think rightfully so. I mean. It's just hard to go against a team that's done it year in and year out now for a handful of years and just consistently been a winning team. Not the best team, but a winning team. But a team that has truly been uh, a model of consistency. I mean, they won 47 games or 48 games last year without Kawhi Leonard for most of it. He only played nine. 
but they obviously lost Kawhi. They lost Tony Parker. They lost Manu. It feels like the end is near for Greg Popovich's career. Lost Danny Green. Yeah, lost Danny Green. Some like the, re- people aren't talking about that. Underrated uh, subtraction from yeah. that roster. And like, what does Danny Green mean outside of San Antonio? We don't know. We shall see in Toronto. But in San Antonio, he means something for sure. But DeMar DeRozan enters the Spurs lineup. He is now their best player or best player A or B with LaMarcus Aldridge. Do you guys give Pop the benefit of the doubt that they're going to hit over 42.5? Or are you nervous about this Spurs um, team, especially with the DeJounte Murray injury, the Derek White injury, and their lack of point guard skill? Are you guys nervous that the end is near and this over 500 playoff streak is in in jeopardy? Uh, Frank, since you haven't had a chance to start one off yet, why don't you do that for us? What do you think about the Spurs? Heck no to your question, dude. My man Pop is a legend. There's a reason he's a legend. I think DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldrich are enough firepower to keep this team at least relevant in the playoff uh, contention. I think they'll land like 6-7-8, which, you know, definitely not peak Spurs, but they're still there. And I think DeMar DeRozan, like, and Pop, like, Pop kind of got rejected by Kawhi. And DeMar DeRozan kind of got betrayed by Toronto. So it's kind of like, you know, two guys down on their luck meeting together. And they're ready to, like, set the NBA blaze. So I I actually have big expectations. DeJounte Murray going down is is a big damper. But um, I don't know. I I still see them as a playoff team. And a lot of it has to do with Pop, for sure. I think they're going to be a playoff team as well. I agree with that, Frank. But it's going to be like such a tight race. I mean, I'm going to backpedal a little bit on what I said about the Blazers last segment. I think they're like a fringe playoff team. That's what I'm going to say. They're going to be like between 10 and 6. And I feel like the same gut feeling about the Spurs. They're going to be somewhere between 10 and 6. Last year, they made the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard. And you think this year, you know, you trade Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan, you know, all things being equal, Kawhi is a better player, but last year they didn't have him at all. So it essentially didn't matter. They had him for nine games. So, you know, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So you're adding another all NBA player to your team. So that's a good thing. Whenever you do that, that's a good thing. Now, DeJounte Murray hurts a lot because their depth isn't as good as it was last year. They don't have, you know, Jonathan Simmons left two years, left two years ago. Kyle Anderson left this year. We talked about him during the Grizzlies. You know, so who do you got? Like Patty Mills? We know what he is. Competent ball handler, an offense initiator. Not the, your go-to guy, but he can hit open threes. Derek White, we don't know too much about yet. Lonnie Walker is going to be out for first quarter of the season, basically. You know, Marco Bellinelli instead of Kyle Anderson, essentially. You know, you think of guys like DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Pau Gasol, not really the number one, two, or three guys you would want on your team with the way the game is played now, where it's so based around, you know, pace, three-point shooting, dynamic ways of scoring. I mean, DeMar fits that, Pau's on his last legs, and Rudy Gay, he doesn't stretch the floor for you really at all, and... He, last year, he was really solid coming off the Achilles, but who, who knows how his body's going to react coming down the stretch. Yeah. Having said all that, I'm still going to take the over because it's the fucking Spurs, and 
<laughs> it's just like I, it's basically they are like the team version of LeBron. It's like I'm gonna be on their side until I'm gonna pick them until they prove me wrong. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's the pick. That's the pick here. Let's be honest. We're all on the over. I'm with you guys. It's one of those teams. They're like the Patriots in the sense that like you know. They may not seem as strong. They may look more clunky, but they're going to be in it, and they're going to be playing hard, and they're going to be playing the right way. And they seem to be a team that zigs when everyone else is zagging. So everyone else is like threes, threes, threes. They used to shoot more threes than everyone else. Now they're going to be a mid-range team. But let's be honest, they have two of the most efficient mid-range players in the league, and we know with Maury Ball and all this stuff that people don't believe in the mid-range shot. But it's only effective if you have elite mid-range shooters, and they have two of them in DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. They are going to hit an over. Like, that is it. Can I see it imploding? Yes. Will I wear that on the cheek when they win 36 games this year? Sure. But until that happens, I'm riding the over with you guys. You have to. You have to bet on them. And if the basketball nerd in me is calling them a league pass team, but I'm not going to say it like as my league pass lock or anything like that. Because I'm just curious to see what this team looks like. I'm curious to see how they compete, how they how they perform with this new squad and under Greg Popovich. So they're they're a team that you got to keep an eye on, just out of genuine curiosity. But you got to give them benefit of the doubt on the over for sure. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. I wasn't really like thinking too much about it, but like the more that I think about it now, I kind of want to put this as my league pass team because, and I, I don't want to give too much away for my future picks, but. I feel like the top of the East, at least like the Rockets and the Warriors, are kind of going to be sleepwalking through the regular season, kind of like LeBron James in it, but as a team. And uh, I think the Spurs are going to be a team that's going to steal a lot of those games just because they're going to be ready. You know, they're going to be 100% every night. They're not going to be like one of those teams like, oh, you know, didn't have it here. I feel like they're going to be pretty steady performance throughout the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's move this on to one of the most interesting teams here and one of probably the hardest team to pick an over-under on. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. And obviously we talked about the Jimmy Butler trade like weeks ago on this podcast when it first started, but it ramped up like crazy with the rumors, not so much rumors, been proven true from Jimmy Butler himself of his crazy practice tirade that he had last week. So this team's interesting. The number's at 43.5. Vegas is probably like looking at this number like, we have no idea what to do. Let's make it somewhere in the middle. If they have Jimmy all year, they're probably a 47-48 win team. If they don't, which they probably won't, they might be a 34-win team. They might be a 31-win team. Who the hell knows? So they're super hard to predict. And basically what it comes down to is, do you think Jimmy's on this team or do you think he's traded? And 43.5 makes it tough. I'm going under assuming Jimmy's gone at some point in the near future and assuming that Cat still isn't quite the best player on a good team, on a team that's making the playoffs. I don't think he's carrying them. And the roster, other than those two, Wiggins, Butler, Wiggins, I mean, Wiggins, Towns, and Butler, it, it leaves a lot to be desired for. Like Derrick Rose, I love him. I root for him every day. But what does he bring into 2018-19 basketball? Taj Gibson, old. They signed Luau Deng. Like him, Luau Deng and Anthony Tolliver were their big signings of the offseason. Like what the hell is that? What the hell is that? So I'm I'm going under. And sorry, Frank, to cut you off there. But I'm just, I want to say it. I'm going under. What do you you say? I was going to say, Joakim is officially weighed by the Knicks. So watch out. You know, he's definitely on Thibodeau's radar right now. Timberwolves. Timberwolves transformation is about to be complete. Um, but I, I'm going to agree with you. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Jimmy still wants out. And, 
I don't know if the GM is so ready to let him go like Thibodeau was, but I think at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta get some return because he's gonna be gone at the end of the season regardless. Um, and it, it has less to do with me not believing in it, Carl Anthony Towns. I think Carl Anthony Towns can be the number one option on the team. I don't know if he can be right now, but um, Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion, just what a bum, what a bust. Was he a number one overall? Number one by the Cavs, traded for uh, Kevin Love. Were there back-to-back number one overall picks, Andrew Wiggins and then Anthony Bennett? Well, uh, yeah. No, Bennett, then Wiggins, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Kind of like makes sense now that I think about it. You know, Jeff, one not-so-good guy, Jeff, another. I mean, the Cavs are just like a trash organization. They just got <laughs> so unbelievably lucky that they got the number one pick and that LeBron James – was born in Ohio. Yeah, I feel like it was less, even less that he was the, that they got the number one pick. It was just that the, the best basketball player of ever was born like thirty five minutes away from the Quicken Loans arena. But yeah, it's, I agree. Sometimes you need the ball to bounce your way. That's just how it goes. <laughs> um, for the T Wolves, like I, I mean, I think this is an under two. I'm actually gonna lock this one in because. Even today, like, we can't go a single day without getting some Jimmy Butler bullshit. And people were asking him if he was going to play opening night on Wednesday for the Bulls, or for, Jesus Christ, for uh, the Timber Bulls. There we go. Um, he said he can't tell what Wednesday will bring. Like, he's not even committing to playing game one, let alone the season, you know? And, like, I could see him no, – I'm not going to say this because he's a competitor, but – I. He's a really competitive guy. He clashes hard with people. And at this point, I could see this really taking a turn. Like, even if he's on the team, I don't feel confident that they're going to hit this over because he might be the type of dude who turns into, like, full Russell Westbrook mode, but, like, in a really mean and bitter way. Like, Russ is like, all right, I'm going to do what I need to do to, like, get this team win, and this is how I know how to do it. Jimmy might just be like, all right, fuck you guys. I'm going to be the reason that we win and just uh, to spite you. Like, just because I think you guys are the fucking worst and I can't stand to be around you. So I'm going to take this under as a lock because I don't see him being on this team past December. And I think last season when they didn't have Jimmy Butler for like 20-some games, I think, Pete, you told me this, they went like, what, 10 and 13 without Jimmy Butler? Correct. So right there, just... Then they have absolutely no depth. So if Jimmy goes down, like what? What really do you expect? And I don't even mean that as a knock on Wiggins or Town nece- Towns necessarily, because they're like 22 and 23 years old. So yeah. they they really like artificially accelerated this like process, the growth process for these young players. And uh, fuck Tibbs also. Nah, that's mean. <laughs> but you guys know I'm not a big Tibbs fan. Not yet. Um, so I think this is an under. However, I do think this is a definite league pass team because I feel like some. This is like team most likely to have a brawl breakout, like <laughs> on its own bench amongst each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you ever see like angels in the outfield, like the first scene where the manager and the pitcher just start fighting each other, and then the team from the other side of the field like starts running out there. And the manager's like, "What are you guys doing?" They're like, "We're going to fight." He's like. It's not our fight. It's like none of our players. The team's beating up on itself. Like I can absolutely <laughs> see Jimmy Butler knocking out the whole starting lineup, save for Todd, Taj Gibson. Yeah, part of and me. Jeff T because they love country music. <laughs> yeah, 
part of me feels bad for Tibbs because like he was brought there to win. He made a move that helped them win, and now he's just like handcuffed with no chance to to keep this job after next year. So I feel yeah, bad for him, but also point, yeah. like, do you guys think he makes it through the season? I don't. Uh, yes, he does. Nah. He does. He makes it through the season, but he's gone after that. I don't know, man. Glenn Taylor. I, I feel like if if I could see this dragging on, like where they don't trade him, and then he's just like, all right, fuck you, you're fired trade him right now like whoever i tell or he's just going to talk to the owner because apparently he's calling teams and trying to talk to the owners while tips is talking to the gms of the team and it's like guys get your shit together because we don't know yeah. who we're supposed to be talking to from what i've read they've been pretty far apart i don't think tips lasts but uh one point i wanted to make and like i don't really like to do this but like it was to, it was kind of poignant to me because like it made sense but i was listening to part of my take this weekend and uh big cat like mentioned out like the timing of jimmy butler's interview with rachel nichols like she was in minnesota so like he had to like kind of give like a heads up like hey i'm ready to give an interview and then he went to practice and did that and like looking back on that interview looking at the videos on instagram like he's got a little smirk on his face you know like he he knows exactly what he's doing even though he's saying like yeah i don't think that's the best way i could have done it like well brother you're still doing it you know, so like, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on that boat, that kind of train of thought with this thing. Like, he wants out that bad that he's ready to to look bad in the media to do it. Yeah, for sure, they're going to be a weird team to watch. They're going to be interesting, and they're going to be talked about, especially for the first half of the season with Jimmy Butler and the, that news, for sure. But let's keep this thing moving. We got the New Orleans Pelicans coming up next. They had a great season last year. Big playoff series win for Anthony Davis and his career. Uh, 44 and a half. Kind of a low-ish number, possibly. But the roster had some weird overhaul. They lost uh, Rajon Rondo, who obviously did good things for them last year. They lost Boogie Cousins, who was really good until he got hurt. So they're, they're running out of lineup of Drew Holiday, Etuan Moore, Solomon Hill. Then they got Julius Randle, nice little pickup. Alfred Payton, what the heck does he mean in the NBA right now? They still got Miritich and Jaleel Okafor, but most importantly, they have Anthony Davis. So 44-and-a-half with an MVP candidate and a guy who wants to be in the playoffs. Um, Duff, you had some weird takes about Anthony Davis last time on the Eastern Conference podcast. So start us off here with AD and the Pelicans, 44-and-a-half. What did I say? Weird takes? He might get traded. You're like, he can get traded. Yeah, true. I mean, look, he just signed with Clutch Sports. Everyone's eyeing that, like, oh, he's going to go to the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. And it, by the way, if he does, like, that's some shady shit. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I actually am going to take the over on them just because Anthony Davis, we hear him talking about he wants to be the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. And some people are being like, well, why are you focused on that? You know, focus on team success. Talk about the team. Don't talk about yourself. I kind of like it. I like that. He's bringing attention to New Orleans. I think it's a good thing for the team that, like, hey, we won 47 games last year. Show us some respect. We lost Boogie, but we got Julius Randle. Nikola Miritich is going to be here for the entire season. Um, Drew Holiday, is he's back. Who's back of the week? Drew Holiday. Um, I, I'm going to take the over. I feel good about them. I feel good about this team playing with pace and watching an exciting Julius Randle run alongside of Anthony Davis. And those guys like running a gigantic pick and roll could be a lot of fun, I think. And him and Randle running real fast. And then you got Miritich spotting up in the corner for threes. I'm, 
I'm going to watch, keep watching the Pelicans this year because Anthony Davis is just an absolute beast. I think he really captivated the league last year by getting legitimately very close to winning the MVP and certainly squarely in the, in the discussion. So I'm excited about the Pelicans. I'm going to take the over. What do you guys think? Um, I'm going to be short on this one. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in the Pelicans. I think Anthony Davis for sure is probably the best big man in the NBA for your money. Uh, you saw what he could do when he plays the majority of the season and is healthy. He's a monster. Uh, no surprise there. But um, I just feel like this team lacks a lot of shooting and a lot of the talent is kind of clogged in the front court. Um, I'm kind of like ready to buy in on like reform Jalil. And, like, I like the pickup of Julius Randle. But, like I said, it's all frontcourt players. I definitely don't believe in Alfred Payton and uh, Etwan Moore. I, I do like Drew Holiday, but I don't think he's enough uh, to carry the, the guard load by himself. So, uh, I'm going to go under, slight under. But I think they're more in, like, closer to the 500 range. I'm with you, Speaking Frank. of the Jalil Renaissance, shout out Jalil for uh, picking up one weight for the first time in his life. That body <laughs> transformation was ridiculous. I couldn't believe he was so pudgy as an NBA player. That was just bizarre. Yeah, it was mind-boggling. I'm with you, Frank, though. I'm with you I'm with you on the under here. Um, Drew Holiday succeeded a lot with Rajon Rondo kind of being the on-ball guard, and he got to be off-ball and, and, and become a shooter and be a secondary ball handler. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can really pick up that lead guard role again and be the best point guard on a good team. So I don't have a lot of faith in this team. And also, these guys like Julius Randle, Miritich, who I like, I don't know how they fit together. I don't know how Randle, Miritich, Davis, Drew Holiday, and Etwan Moore make up a good lineup. Uh, obviously, any lineup with Anthony Davis is good and scary. I, I, I don't have a ton of faith here, though. I think they're a 500 team right above 500. And this just goes more to the fact that I think the West evens itself out a little bit compared to the East this year with teams like the Timberwolves and the Pelicans hovering that 500 rather than being at 48 like they were last year. So I'm under there as well. But let's move it on to another team that has been pretty exciting in the past with a great offense and a not great defense, but they're growing. Their young guys are a year older, a year better, likely, in you know Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and, of course, Nikola Jokic. A lot of people have high expectations for the Denver Nuggets this year. They're a high-octane offense, very fun to watch. 47.5, pretty high for a team that hasn't made the playoffs with this core. So, Duff, what do you think about the Nuggets at 47.5? I'm going to take the under, actually. That might be a little surprising. I, I, I do think they're going to get better. But they were one win away from being in the playoffs last year. It all came down to a do-or-die game with the Timberwolves, which was low-key pretty ugly at the end, real sloppy. Um, but I think it gave them like a taste of the playoffs. Like, man, we were so close in the last few minutes of that game. That could have been us. One win away. I think they get to 47 wins, teetering on that line. But this is going to be a really exciting team to watch. Millsap had like his worst season last year, I think maybe in the last 10 years. And I don't expect that to continue. I think an expanded role for Will Barton is going to be good now that Wilson Chandler is gone. You know, maybe they get something exciting from Isaiah Thomas off the bench. Maybe late season Michael Porter Jr. is like uh, basically picking someone up off waivers. That could be really fun. And then Nikola Jokic, who is one of the coolest guys in the NBA to watch, not because he does anything great athletically. It's just he can dominate a game with his vision, which is a really fun thing to see because it's just so different. Um, so I'm going to take the under 
but just like by a half a game. It's going to be very close for them. Uh, I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to say it with my chest. I'm going to lock it in. Uh, I really like what this team is bringing to the table this year, giving all the smoke. I think they can score with almost any team. I think they can score with the Rockets, running out crusty-ass mellow. Uh, the only team I think that they're probably on the good night, the Warriors, yeah, can probably score at a way higher pace. Not way higher, but higher pace. Um, but besides that, I don't really see as many teams who are as potent offensively. I think Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench and, like, having a defined role for the first time in over a season since he was, like, nearly an MVP. I don't think he's anywhere near that caliber, but I think coming off the bench will be his maximum value. And, uh, like, I love Will Barton. I always have loved Will Barton. Uh, Nikola Jokic, fun player to watch. Murray, I think, is fun to watch. Uh, Gary Harris, I don't think it's enough love, but, like, Kind of does get a lot of love, so I'm not sure. But uh, guy can ball for sure. Uh, and like you said, I think Paul Millsap was hurt for a good portion of the first half of the season last year. So, you know, with some health, I think he'll play better than last year as well. So I'm, I'm going to take the over very slightly. But I think this is a good team. Lock it in. This team can win 50 games, but I see them like 49 probably. I'm with you again, Frank. Uh, so it looks like Frank and I are on the same page here at the past couple of picks and Duff going the other way with the Nuggets. But this team is electric offensively, absolutely electric. They just missed a playoffs last year. You kind of looked at it as a negative. I'm going to flip it the other way. They're hungry. They want to get in that playoff run. And I think they know that 48 is going to be what they need to get there. And they have the talent. Jamal Murray is a guy who on any given night can just light it up from downtown. I think they have enough offensive firepower, and that's not really debatable. But defensively, I think they they get a little better this year. They kind of tighten it up. And I think Jokic, I think he's a really prideful guy. Everyone talks about how upset he gets when the team loses and, you know, how he really cares about winning. And I I think he hears the chirps that he can't play defense, that he can't move his feet. So I expect him to kind of take some more pride on the defensive end. And Paul Millsap's going to be going to be healthier. He's going to be healthier, and when he's healthy, we know he can be a really quality player. He didn't get to mesh with this team last year with, through through the injury, so I expect him to kind of find that chemistry. And just looking at this lineup, top to bottom, they have a lot of talent. So I'm I'm with Frank on the over. I'm not going to lock it in. But I think it's I think it's 48, 49, possible, possible 50 win team here in the Denver Nuggets. Um, but let's move it on because the next team up at 48 and a half is perhaps the most interesting team in the league. We should actually recheck this number. It may have gone up. It may be going up every day until the season starts on Tuesday. The Los Angeles Lakers, led by uh, some guy named LeBron James, if you ever heard of him. They have some young talent. People are loving what Brandon Ingram is doing. I personally have a ton of faith in Lonzo Ball to become a really good NBA player. I don't have much worries about how this team fits. And this is my point that I'm going to leave for you guys as I lock in the over on the Los Angeles Lakers. People are keep keep saying how LeBron needs shooters. LeBron's had shooters in Miami. He had shooters in Cleveland. But what have we said uh, on the negative end of LeBron's teams in Cleveland? They can't stop a soul. They rely too much on him doing everything. So what did the Lakers do? They kind of went opposite. They got secondary ball handlers. They got Rondo. They got Ball. They got Ingram. 
They got people who are going to take some pressure off LeBron and not just stand around the outside of the three-point line and chuck threes, but guys who are going to do stuff on their own and take accountability for their game. I am locking this over. I think they win 53, 54 games. I honestly, I question people who just don't think LeBron is going to lead a team to great success. This guy has done it forever, for like our whole adult life, for half of our child life, for our teen years. This guy's been the best player we've ever seen. Over. Like lock. literally as far back as I can remember. Legit. Yeah, over. Lock. And I'm really going to hammer it home. People said, oh, the Cavs had shooters. They had shooters. They need shooters. They don't have shooters. They're not going to space the floor. This team is different. They're going to play defense. They're going to move the ball up and down the court at a faster pace. And LeBron is the most aware player, the most aware superstar we might have in sports. He hears the chirps about how he didn't try on defense, about how he takes games off. This guy, I'm also locking in something else, is going to win the MVP. He wants those accolades. He wants the accolade of being a guy in his 16th season, repeat 16th season, to win an MVP. The storyline is there. NBA voters love storylines. They love – people have been trying to vote LeBron MVP for the past three years anyway. This year, leading a young team with uh, a a seam of characters on the the squad, he's going to be – He's going to be electric. The freaking Staples Center is going to be electric. Overlock, easy money for me all day, every day. And I'm just going to go quickly here because you basically said everything that I was thinking. This is going to be a really fun. Like, I, I couldn't stand watching LeBron in Cleveland. Like, it was always fun to watch him. But on the flip side, it was like, man, what a bunch of schmucks, like, standing around him who can't do anything without him. Last season in particular when they didn't have Kyrie. Um this year it's going to be fun. Like they're running up and down so much. And I feel like they have to, because they can't really get into the half court sets and really rely on execution with these young guys so much. And they don't have the shooting for it. So get them up and down, get them to run. Lonzo ball doesn't need, doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time to initiate offense. Rondo sort of does. So we'll see how that plays out. But I, I, I think I agree with this MVP pick, Pete, because what do NBA fans love more, like almost more than basketball? I would say like the vast majority of casual fans love storylines more than the actual game. And that would be such a fantastic storyline for LeBron to come in and take these young guys under his wing, even if he's not like the total big brother, like, let me talk you through how everything you need to do, blah, blah, blah. It'll just be great to see how the best basketball player on the planet goes about his business each and every day could be just so unbelievably valuable to these young guys. And also if he makes something out of Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley, the meme team, mud, whatever you want to call them, it's going to be LeBron's going to get all that credit because we've talked about it all the time, whether it was because Eric Spolstra or Lou Williams or David Blatt, he gets all the credit. He gets all the blame. So if they do well, he's going to get credit for moving the young guys along and revamping these castaways' careers. That's what I'm looking forward to most. Frank, what about you? Uh, I agree. Um, I'm going to try and keep it short, but like I have so many things going through my head that I want to say. But um, e- first, easiest point is LeBron's been to like what eight straight finals, mm-hmm. and you're telling me he's not going to be in the playoffs this year? Like, come on, get get the heck out of here. Uh, two, I think this Lakers team, 2018 Lakers, would absolutely would probably sweep the 2017 Cavs in a four-game series or seven-game series, whatever you want to call it. 
I think they're that much better up and down the board. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. Like LeBron's going to be, I, I, I don't want to pick LeBron for my MVP. I want to go back to Giannis and pick him back to back years. Cause I think that dude's a freak. Um, but like LeBron is getting not like, I agree like that team, the mud team, like who knows what it could be, but he's getting them all at like a pretty interesting part. Like I feel like he's getting them all at like a, semi-weird peak like JaVale had a great run in with the Warriors the best run he's had with a team Lance came back to the Pacers and like you know he's only been a guy with the Pacers ever but like if there's anybody else that can get Lance to be Lance it's probably LeBron uh Michael Beasley's been a solid contributing basketball player for the past three seasons in the NBA and Rajon Rondo you know I feel like last year I said playoff P a lot well, playoff Rondo is way more real than playoff P ever is until playoff P wins the ring and does what playoff Rondo does. So I, I think he's going to elevate the young guys. I think he's going to elevate the old guys. And the Lakers are going to be a problem, man. Definitely a playoff. Love it. We're all on the over on the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, I don't even think we have to say it, but there's a league pass team. But you don't have to say they're a league pass team. Yeah, as, as Duffy, national yeah Duffy <laughs> pointed it out last week when we were chatting I looked chat, up the schedule last week. Literally every week from the beginning to the end of the season they are on national tv they don't go more than they don't go seven days without being on national tv it's like it's like markets you know like even the 30 win knicks were on espn like 20 times on friday christmas day baby see you there we're going right yeah it's all about markets i'll I'll meet you there on october uh december 25th i'll meet you there sounds good man all right moving on next team Next team is the Utah Jazz. I'll say my Utah Jazz because I love them. I'm also a Jazz hipster at this point. So there's a lot of love, a lot of love for Donovan Mitchell, a lot of love for Quinn Snyder, all in which I agree and they deserve. And shout out Joe Ingles always. They're fantastic to watch. They play sick defense. Shout out Rudy Gobert. I mean, this Jazz team is absolutely fantastic top to bottom. They play the game the right way. They shoot the threes. They play the D. They move the ball. They have one of the best coaches in the league. 49.5 is a high number. And you know what? My Jazz, I'm such a Jazz hipster. This is what I'm doing, guys. I'm going under. On the Utah Jazz. It may shock you. Yes. Whoa. My Utah wow. Jazz. I'm going under. And it's because they went on this ridiculous run, kind of like the Sixers last year, where they couldn't lose. They could not freaking lose. And they still ended up with about 48 wins. I think they're exactly the same. I think 49 is actually with the number that pops into mind. I don't think they're a 50-win team. I think that, unfortunately, they deal with injuries seemingly every year. Donovan Mitchell... People expect a ton out of him. Defenses are going to plan for him. It's going to make it a little bit tougher on him. I hope his efficiency doesn't take too much of a blow, but I could see him having some struggle points. I like this team to be in the playoffs and be a problem in the playoffs, but for the regular season, 49 and a half, I'm going under, and I'm going against my Jazz pride. Wow. I'm very surprised. And I that feel is shocking. Like, I feel like it's like throwing me off because I actually kind of feel the opposite way. And it's not for reasons like I feel good about, but like I genuinely have these thoughts. But Grayson Allen is is like the evil version of Gordon Hayward, and it's gonna work. Like, Love that. He's gonna be, he's gonna be the Mormon badass, you know. He's what I'm the saying? bizarro Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and I think it's really gonna work. I could definitely see Donovan Mitchell not having as good a year as last year, but um, I'm pretty high on Ricky Rubio, man. Ricky Rubio. And you guys know this probably more than anybody. I'm probably a bigger Russell Westbrook fan than any other player in the NBA besides Chris Stapps, Porzingis. 
And Ricky Rubio in a couple of those playoff games, one-on-one just outplayed Russell Westbrook. So, like, people are kind of – I think we, I've mentioned it before, like, because he wasn't really hot off the bat. Like, people kind of sleep on Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio was a solid player, especially in that system. Uh, Rudy Gobert was hurt for a good portion of last year. He had knee injuries. I think if Rudy Gobert plays, you know, 60-plus games, that team gets wins from him because he is, you know, a defensive anchor. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Ingles, shout-out Ingles. I'm, I'm on the fan club, Pete. I, for all your years, you finally converted someone, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I love it. I wish I was on the over with you, but I just couldn't do it this year. Duff, what do you think? I'm with Frank. I'm with Frank on the over. I'm going to take it. I think, you know, you say they went on that crazy win streak. I think they really figured some stuff out, though, because in the first half of the season, I think I heard Zach Lowe talking about how you couldn't play – Ricky Rubio with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, and that team was just an absolute abomination, that trio. And then they had, like, I think per 100 possessions, it swung, like, 20 points up from, like, 98 to, like – or no, 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 I'm sorry, from, uh, from like, 91 to, like, 109, something crazy, points per 100 possessions. And I think that they can build off what they did last year. They gave more autonomy and – um to, to Royce O'Neal, to Alec Burks, to Dante Exum. Now they have Grayson Allen, another rookie who can be a bit of an X factor and who's an underrated athlete who can shoot it from deep, who is a dynamic, legit NBA athlete. And, uh, you know, I know people hate him because of all the Duke shit and whatever. He's not going to get away with that stuff in the NBA. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not even like worried about it, but I think he'll be a solid addition to this team. I expect Donovan Mitchell to get nothing but better. And hopefully if they get 70 games out of Rudy Gobert, I don't see why they can't win 50 games. I I, I just love the the bizarro Grayson Allen, or bizarro um, Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Hayward. That's like, yeah. that's like my favorite take I'm going to have for a long time. That's a, I, no, I, I think it's strong. I think that's strong. I really believe it too. Like it's not just – trying to sell something like I really do believe it he he had some great plays in the preseason I know you got to take that with a grain of salt but like I don't look at like overall numbers and like you know stuff like that I look more at like individual things they can do and stuff like that so like and just the things he showed like he's an NBA player in my opinion and I could see him thriving and I don't think there was a better place for Gordon. I mean, <laughs> Gordon Hayward, Bizarro, Gordon Hayward, Grayson Allen to get drafted. <laughs> like Utah is the perfect place for him because he knows how to play basketball. He knows how to play it the right way, move the ball, take the right shot, play hard, play defense. Uh, it couldn't have been a better spot for Grayson Allen. I'm rooting for the over with the Utah Jazz. Don't get it twisted. I just want to maybe maybe it's a hedge. Maybe it's a personal hedge that I'm yeah, taking. Yeah, you're, the under you're hitting him with the reverse jinx. Exactly. This is definitely a league pass team for me, by the way. <laughs> they were a strong league pass team for the outsiders last year. I think Pete I think obviously everybody. tipped us off in like November. He's like, yo, you guys heard about Joe Angles? He's lighting the world on fire. And then by the end of the playoffs, everyone Joe was like, Oh yeah, Joe Angles, that's my favorite player. I've been telling all of you about Joe Ingles, where you guys thought I was joking like two years ago, but I was like, this guy knows what he's doing, shoots the shit out of the ball. He's he's like a legit 50-40-90 threat. He shoots so well from three. Love me some Joe Ingles all day, every day. But let's keep it moving, because we got three teams left in this Western Conference, and when we're talking about the best teams in the West, that, that gets pretty damn interesting. So let's start off with Frank's Oklahoma City Thunder. Frank, I know you've been rooting for this team. I know Russell Westbrook's your boy. Take the floor, 49 and a half. For uh, the you know they're starting the season. Let me note 
without Westbrook, but they have Dennis Schroeder, still got Paul George, still got Steven Adams, no longer have Carmelo Anthony. Frank, how are you feeling about your Thunder right now? I'm all in. I think this is if if their year to make a push at that one seed, you know, if their if their opportunity comes like, you know, whatever with this Warriors. One seed? I think they have a good the chance. The one seed? I do. And the one I mean, seed. I if you want, I'll give it up right now. But I, I truly believe I mean the the Rockets are not as good as they were last year. And they I feel like their season was like kinda like the Warriors seventy three game season. Like they chased it. And they went after it until the final game. And I feel like they kind of think that hurt them in the playoffs or, you know, whatever. So I think they don't press on the gas as hard. Same thing with the Warriors. I think that's, I think the Warriors are going to sleepwalk through the regular season. Uh, I, could, I could see them having 55 wins, just like not even caring about it either. So that's why I'm going to pick the Thunder as my low-key team to probably maybe nab that West spot, number one spot, because I think they're going to go as hard as possible. I love the pickup Dennis Schroeder. I love that Carmelo Anthony is not there anymore. Paul George, 100% committed. Steven Adams, uh, I'm calling it now. My last year, my my all-star pick was Damian Lillard. This year, my all-star pick is Steven Adams, 100%. Spice. Um, I, I like it, though. Where they struggle is the four position, but I I, I don't know, man. I like I like Nerlens Noel in the thunder on the thunder i like him alongside russell westbrook and dennis schroeder guys who who get easy buckets for big men just because they're so fast and they draw so much attention and so much help going towards the basket that like a guy like nerland so can get going and maybe finally show what he's capable of defensively because he's had a couple of block shots in the preseason that like are impressive like the dude gets up still so i have high expectations for this team i think they're going to be like the hard out team in the west Every single game of the regular season, they're going to be going out there for the dub. And I could see them pushing maybe, and this is crazy, I know, but I could see them going for 60 wins trying to, like, you know, prove something because that's the kind of team I see them being. I think it's going to be tough for them to hit 60 wins, especially with Roberson out for a couple months. And I just worry about this team's depth, and Russell Westbrook sort of has that uh, gravity for a team in a similar sense as LeBron James, where when he's on the court, everyone has these defined roles. And when he's not, it's sort of like, okay, what do we do? How do we play basketball without this dominant force on our team again? Cause it's like, you want to funnel the ball to them because they make so much happen. So when they're off the court, you have to completely flip that mindset. Like, okay, now I have some autonomy. What do I do? Um, I just feel like the thunder and Russell Westbrook are, always going to be in the mix of like 47 to 49 wins. Like if they get to 50 wins, that'd be huge. Um, you're talking about 60, 60. I don't know. Yeah, about I, that. I know. I, I, I promise. I know it's crazy, but like it, it's kind of more hinging on what I, no, I understand. I understand your logic. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just like trying to further that point. Like it's, it's less about this team being like super spectacular as it is the other teams, like just not on the gas. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly a playoff team. They certainly have three all-star candidates, you know, two almost locks, you know, one definite lock, two almost locks, and then a third guy who's on the fringes, uh, and Steven Adams. I think re-signing Jeremy Grant was a good thing. I think Alex Abrinas is going to be a step forward. I think getting Dennis Schroeder was a good thing. Um, I think Nerlens Noel could be good, could be exciting to watch. 
someone that's like Steven Adams who's just going to catch lobs and hopefully defend the rim, but more athletic so they can get out and run a little better. And Hamadou Diallo, like that guy in Kentucky, I watched him a few times. He is an unbelievable athlete, and he can be really fun to watch, and he can be super electric, like a smaller, like not smaller, but shorter version of Nerlens Noel, but bigger and jumps way higher. It, it, it could be fun to watch him, but I'm just like, this is kind of the reverse Spurs where I'm like, prove it. Like you got to get to 50 wins before I give you 50 wins sort of thing uh, for the thunder. So for that reason, I'm going to take the under. I'm with you, Duff. I'm going under as well. I think there's actually a positive spin on Russell Westbrook missing a couple weeks early in the season where Schroeder kind of can find himself with this team. Paul George can find himself in a leadership role without Russell Westbrook on the floor. I think there's some positives to draw from there. And then obviously when Westbrook comes back, they become a real problem and a real dangerous team. But 50 wins is a lot of wins. It's hard to win that many games in the NBA, let alone in the Western Conference. And I kind of made this point last week on the pod. The Western Conference is obviously the better conference, but they're going to beat up on each other. On any given night, the Trailblazers can beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Clippers are going to compete with the Thunder. Even the the pesky Mavs, who we all seem to like, can compete with them, uh, especially if Russell is a little banged up early in the season. So 50 wins is just too much for me. I think this team's good. I think they do become a slight problem in, in the playoffs, but... I got burned by them last year, man. I thought they were going to be a problem come playoff time, and they just really underwhelmed. Playoff P was not playoff P outside of one game, but they got smoked by the Jazz in the playoffs last year. So what 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 have you done for me lately, Oklahoma City Thunder? They haven't done much at all. I love Steven Adams. Russ is obviously amazing. Love the Schroeder pickup, but I'm not quite sold on 50 wins. I think they're a five seed. I think they're a four-ish seed. Like, they're, they're set in that mark of the Western Conference, but they're going to beat up on each other too much. They're going to get too high to play the Warriors and the Rockets of the world, and they can they can let off the gas, if you ask me, when they show up to San Antonio and, and things of that nature. So I'm going under, but I do think it's a 47-48 win team. Um, but let's talk about this last two. We got the Rockets and the Warriors. Frank kind of alluded to them possibly taking the, the, the foot off the gas, not leaving the pedal to the metal, if you will. So the Rockets are at 55 and a half. Obviously, they lost. They won 64 last year and were awesome all year long. Um, I'll start this one off quickly. I think this is an over, and I'm going to make it my second lock of the Western Conference with the Lakers. 55 and a half. Did they get nine games worse than last year just because they lost um, Luke Richard and Bamute and Trevor Ariza? I mean, those guys are nice, and they fill the void. I get it. But this team with James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella was absolutely spectacular last year. Chris Paul missed a bunch of games, and they still won 64. James Harden is easily one of the best regular season players in the NBA, and it's not close. And I have to put the caveat of regular season because he hasn't quite done it in the playoffs as the best player on the team, even though he made it to a Western Conference Finals low-key. Everyone forgets. This team's going to win games, and if Chris Paul and Harden are on the court, for most of it, 60, 70 games, they're going to be so hard to beat. And Harden just runs the game into the ground with all the fouls and the shiftiness and the step backs and the passing. This team's still a problem. I don't care that they lost uh, those two guys, Ariza and Mbamute. I don't think Melo subtracts from them like he did in Oklahoma City because they have too much of a system defined already where he has to fit or get out 
low-risk pick for uh, the Rockets and Mello. I love this team. I'm locking in the over 55.5. I still think they're close to 60 wins. I'm going to take the over also. Basically, for everything you just said, you're really going to tell me, like, I know Ariza and Bahamute are great glue guys, and you need them to, you need guys like that on your team. But Chris Paul and James Harden are certainly good enough to just overpower certain teams and just win on any given night. You know, Eric Gordon, solid six man of the year candidate again. Uh, PJ Tucker, I think, is going to have an increased role this year. And we saw how valuable he was in the playoffs last year. Clint Capella just got paid. I don't see him being like the type of dude who's going to slow down for any reason because that's not his style. His game is to have a high motor, defend, dunk, do all the entertaining and energetic stuff you need. And they added Carmelo Anthony, who my. I dogged last year and I dogged my whole life. And I'm going to continue to dog for the most part. But <laughs> I think he could – fit in well with these guys, especially Chris Paul, because look, he went to play with Russell Westbrook and uh, Paul George last year. Russell Westbrook and PG are kind of the type of dudes who are in small markets and we're used to everything being about them and dominating the ball and blah, blah, blah. He's going to the Rockets now on the minimum. I know he's getting his, he's getting paid from the Thunder or from the Hawks now, technically. Um, But I think He's going in there knowing that he's going to either be coming off the bench or see a significant decrease in responsibility and his overall role for the team. So I think because he's going into this season with that mindset, he'll be more valuable to the Rockets than he will be for the Thunder. And the Rockets were like the, I think they had the highest percentage of like open threes last year. And they, they track this, I think it's synergy where it's, you have like um, contested open or wide open threes. And I think they had the highest percentage of wide open. And it's all based on distance when you release and blah, blah, blah. So if you're getting Carmelo wide open spot off threes all game, I think he could be valuable to your team. And you just tell him, hey, don't you don't have to like really worry about playing defense. Just kind of like get the rebound and start the break. Gives him another ball handler to just go up there and do it um, and initiate this fast well, not faster-paced offense, and just like spot up. You know, Chris is going to find you. You know, Harden is going to find you. It, it, you're basically just putting his brain on autopilot and putting him in a perfect position to succeed. So I'm certainly going to take the over, and I think I could see them around like 58, 59 wins. That's that seems about right to me. And just to hammer home your point before Frank jumps in, Russell Westbrook and Paul George are two guys who are not known for making other people better. And Chris Paul and James Harden are especially known for putting other people in their plates to succeed. So that's that for Mello. Look at all the money. They just made Clint Capella and Trevor Reason. For real. Frank, what do you got? Um, I disagree with you guys. I want to you know, stay pretty consistent to what I said before. Uh, first of all, I don't think they're going to be playing hard every game. But like, even beyond that, I think that's like an easy point to make. I don't like Mello. Like, I don't think Mello... Adds wins. I, I actually believe the complete opposite. I think Melo takes wins, uh, takes wins away from the team because kind of like, uh, kind of like you guys see him fitting into the system. I kind of see him not because even in the Thunder organization, you know, like there were rumbles like people wanted him to come off the bench, and he had the attitude like me, come off the bench, and I feel like he still views himself as that. And 
I still see I still see himself taking those possessions where he dribbles the ball for the first seven seconds and then takes his contested shot. And to the other point, as a Knicks fan watching Melo for the longest time, honestly, like that's kind of how Melo operates and is at his best. So I, I don't think getting wide open screens or coming off of screens and getting wide open threes is gonna benefit him necessarily because I don't I think, think he has to come off screens though, because if you look at like the tracking for how much Rockets players moved and on the offensive end and how like distance traveled over the course of a game, there was a lot of standing still where it was just like Harden beating his man and someone's got to come help and all of a sudden you're just standing there, the ball's in your hands and you're firing up a three. Yeah, I think but, it's, but even, it's different. But even He's not going to so, be like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry running and curling off screens. Even so, like, I, I feel like they're still going to like use him in like options like that, like where he's got to like move to come off and shoot free, which I actually think he's good at that. But I think he's not good at the standstill, like catch and shoot, or he's not as good. Like, for, for if he's I not good at that, him, he wouldn't be in the NBA. Not saying, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying his strong suit usually, at least is in the rhythm. Was not nah, here. Yeah, I hear that in rhythm, like in dribbled, like like going from half court to the three-point line and shooting that three-point shot, he's wet with that one. But the one where, like, he gets a kick out, I feel like he missed that one more often than he made it. So I, I don't know if it fits as as beautiful in my mind as it is for you guys. I definitely still like Chris Paul and James Harden and Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker and all those guys. But uh, I, I just think they don't value the regular season like they used to. You guys are going to be resting, this, that, the other. I, I see them... Honestly, 54. I wouldn't be surprised at 55, but I'd be surprised if they went around 60 again because I just see, I don't see them valuing them. And two other things here. Uh, will they try to rest Chris Paul to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs? Very possible. And another thing, shout out Eric Gordon. He was really good last year, especially we saw him step up when Chris Paul was injured in the playoffs when they had no other ball handlers outside of James Harden. Eric Gordon proved that he can do some things on the basketball court. He's a good scorer and a, and a pretty strong defender, if you will, as well. Uh, but last but not least, the 63-and-a-half over-under for the Golden State Warriors. That's a high number, man. I know this team's the best team we've ever seen. They have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, four freaking all-stars, three, at least three Hall of Famers, if you ask me. And obviously the addition of Boogie Cousins, who will probably be back around January, February, or who knows when. 63 and a half, though, doesn't that feel really high for a team that's, a, a team that's about rings? A team that's not chasing 72 anymore? Like, doesn't that feel really high? I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm going to be real quick about this, so uh, I'll get it out of the way real fast. Uh, piggybacking on what I said for the last two teams, I think they're sleepwalking through the regular season. Uh, I don't think they're going to pick it up until, like, the last two weeks. You know, that's when they're really going to, like, put it together and probably win, like, you know, 12 in a row going into the into the playoffs. But I think they're going to sleepwalk. They're going to let – they just signed DeMarcus Cousins' his little brother, who, like, I don't even think he was in the G League. Like this team is doing some stuff. And like, Steph Curry's brother-in-law. Yeah, so like they're 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 almost too complacent in a sense, but they have enough talent. They're going to be there. Obviously, I'm not discounting it. They have four All Stars. Easy, depending when Demarcus Cousins comes back, they could potentially have five, which is mind blowing. Um, but I'm just going to go with the other six, three and a half. Is crazy. This team does not care at all about the regular season. Uh, easy under. Easy under. I think six three and a half is also too high, and I could see them. Would they have last year like 50, 58? Yeah, I could see them getting to like sixty, sixty two, maybe. Just when Demarcus comes back, like you got to think like Steph was out for like 
a month of the season, basically, with two separate injuries. You know, Clay was out with his hand issue. Draymond was out. Like, they were really dealing with some injuries last year. And I don't think they're going to get significantly better as far as wins and losses just because they don't care. They don't care. Like, like Steve Kerr was last year was like, hey, you know, you guys don't want to give a shit. Fine. I'll be in the locker room. You guys take care of business out there. See you after the game. They're playing against the Phoenix Suns. Like, and I'm not really necessarily spinning it as a bad thing. It's just a reality. Like, they're not worried about it. They don't, their season doesn't really start until March when hopefully they're really working Boogie back into the system. And they're ramping up for the playoffs and working out the kinks. Like they have four future hall of famers on this team. Probably. I mean, assuming DeMarcus comes back and at least a shell of his former self and keep racking up numbers. Um, so I, I don't see them getting over 63 and a half. I don't, I just don't think they care. Another thing with the warriors that I want to point out is when they won 73 games and they were just rolling people over, they were still hungry to prove themselves as the best team in this generation. They they still had a lot more to play for in the regular season. Obviously, the best. There was a whole narrative like, time. oh, Kyrie was hurt last year. Kevin Love was hurt last year. That's why you guys won, right. won, won in the championship. Exactly. And also, a part of that team that gets underlooked, their bench was awesome back then. They had a bunch of guys who just played their role, who were fast, who can shoot. And, and we saw last year at certain points, especially when they were struggling against the Rockets, th- their bench is now Andre Iguodala. I mean, and and he's not a guy who's going to be putting in 82 games of maximum effort. It's just not. So Kevin Looney and Jordan Bell are going to be better for sure. I think Jonas Jerebko is actually a nice little signing for them, a guy who knows what to do on the court. But like Sean Livingston, Quinn Cook, like they're fine and you trust them in the playoffs, sure. But for 82, they're, they're not giving it. They're not bringing the heat like they used to. It makes me nervous now that we're all saying under and we're making it sound so easy. They're going to come out and roll over and get 65 wins. Like, and we're going to look like idiots. But I'm fine with that because there's just such a strong uh, message being shown to us that they don't care. And I think the best thing they did by adding Cousins is just that's going to bring new energy that they need. They need the storyline. They need the energy. They need something to give some pizzazz to this team. That's their best bet on going over, but it just seems so far-fetched to me that they're going to be locked in to win 64 games. Definitely an underrated thing about the Warriors, and you touched on it, is their bench. It's definitely older now. One thing, like four years ago, they had a lot of depth. That was the thing people talked about, like, Draymond Green, David Lee, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, uh, all these guys. Leandro off the bench. Barbosa, baby. Leandro Barbosa, absolutely. Yeah, Brazilian Blur. Brazilian Blur. Uh, that that was all big time. Like Jordan Bell, I trust him to be solid, not make a lot of mistakes, play with energy. Kevon Looney, same thing. Damian Jones, I don't know. Jonas Rebko, I feel good about, but I'm not sure. Andre Iguodala is going to play like. 60 65 games this year just because you know sean livingston will play every night but he's not really an impact guy he's like damage control same thing with quinn cook who's just going to kind of spot up and plug in holes where you know you know uh playing fourth quarters when they're blowing teams out basically i'm like way less worried about that like the you know uh conventional basketball you know like Five guys can't do it. You need more than that. And they, they do have more than five guys. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, they legitimately have four guys who can create and be, like, the main pillar of an offense. And they can just stagger rest. So, like, I don't want to say their bench doesn't matter. 
but like it kind of doesn't really matter in my opinion because they could just like I said stagger rest and even if one of four one of the four Draymond Clay Curry or Duran is out there at any time that's enough offense even in the NBA with and this is by the way not when I say like they don't care about the regular season I'm not hyping up like the Warriors championship inevitability thing um I could see if there's if one of these top four guys, meaning, you know, uh, Clay, Steph, Durant, or Draymond go down, I could see a serious issue for them in the playoffs if one of those guys is not at 100%, um, especially if they get towards the second round or Western Conference Finals. Uh, and then in the finals, it's like going to be a huge deal because they're going to have to deal with like a really solid team out of the East which will probably be Boston. And if the Warriors are like a little banged up, there's no chance that their depth can, can hang. So I just wanted to state that as uh, this is not me buying into Warriors inevitability this year for the fifth year. I like it. Uh, It's a good note because the Celtics are really good. If the Sixers can actually knock off the Celtics, the Sixers are really good. If the Raptors can actually knock off the Celtics, they're really good. And they have some absolute star power with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto and obviously Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in Philadelphia. And we didn't even mention all those guys in Boston right now. So, you know what? I'm not buying into that inevitability for them to win the championship either. We saw what the Rockets did to them last year. They had a real, real chance to knock them off in the Western Conference Finals. One hamstring away. And it was real. It was real. I hate to I hate to be that guy who's like, oh, well, don't you remember it was a close game? They were down because then everybody who's like, well, the Warriors were going to win the whole time anyway, and they won. So, like, what? And I'm that's bullshit. It, it bothers me, and I I want to see competitive basketball, and that's what we saw last year. So I'm hoping to see that again. Uh, but Duff and Frank, man, this is great. NBA preview is in the books. The over unders are in the books. Just to recap a little bit, the locks for me, I got the Lakers and Rockets on a lock for the over. Frank has the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pel- oh, no sorry Denver Nuggets on a lock under for the Grizzlies over for the Nuggets and Duff you have the Minnesota Timberwolves lock under and the Los Angeles Lakers you joined me with the lock on the over I feel pretty good about these picks I, I feel much better about the West and the East Yeah I, I would agree with that this definitely seems to be um, like more consistency in the West. I think that has a lot to do with the power vacuum that LeBron James has left in the Eastern conference where like, all right, time to find out like the wizards, Pacers, Bucks, you know, step your shit up. Are you for real or not? So I think, I feel like a lot of it hinges on those three teams with a lot of other teams over unders. I feel like this is a, this is a fantasy draft and I'm cool with my picks right now, but like in two days, looking back, I'm probably going to hate them. But I'm cool with that. I live with that every day. So. <laughs> you know, Frank, I noticed something interesting. So you're, you're talking about the Thunder winning 60 games, but you didn't lock in the whole. No, see, see, I use my. I feel like I I didn't feel really strongly about anything towards the top of the West, mainly because of what I was saying. Like I could just see these teams mainly getting because they don't give a shit about the regular season, and and, and I'll just hammer it home again. I think. Russell Westbrook and the Thunder do. They give a like a ton of shits about the regular season. So I don't know. I, I didn't like. I, I still don't feel super confident about it. Like I, just, <laughs> you know, 
Just I'm going out on the wing. I'm saying with my chest. You know what I'm saying? I love it, and that's what we expect from you, Frank. Shoot I don't feel hip. super confident. I'm just saying it with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> just shooting from the hip, like always. That's what the NBA outsiders do. Uh, shout out you to the listener. Thank you so much for listening, as always. This has been a very fun NBA preview. The season is here. We have le- real, legit NBA basketball on the horizon. Starting us off, the Celtics and the Sixers. A great game that will be buzzing in the sports world and buzzing on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter at NBA underscore Outsiders. Also, mine personal, which is uh, P Kennedy 2 wise And Sportblog NYC. Hit us on Twitter. Also, if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to drop in the rating and review on iTunes Apple Podcast app. Means an absolute. It means the absolute world to us when you guys support the program and let us know about it that you like what you're hearing. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the shout outs, Frank and Duff. Any last words? Uh, let's let's get it, man. I'm ready for basketball. I didn't watch any football today. Giants play on Thursday. My fantasy team sucks, so I'm ready for the NBA. I've, I'm. I feel like I was in shock with all the Jimmy Butler stuff, but now it's Sunday night and I'm just so pumped for Tuesday. I cannot wait. I look forward to it and I look forward to talking NBA basketball with you guys all season long, but signing off for John Lucas Duffy, Frank Velotti, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank you so much for listening.